with the Christmas season upon us and all of the busyness that goes along with that, I think it is appropriate that we allow ourselves to pause and to allow our attention to be drawn to a single word, the word favor, favor. And so from the lips of an angel to a young girl, from the lips of that young girl back to the angel, and from the lips of God himself to us, we are going to hear the words, you are favored. While this young lady was sitting in her modest family home in such an obscure and forgotten village that nobody thought anything could come out of it, Mary receives a visit from an angel of God. He comes to her with a greeting, and this greeting has been referred to as the Annunciation because this angel was announcing something to Mary. Greetings, Mary. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, Mary has never received a visit like that, nor a message like that. And so she is troubled. She's trying to figure out in her own mind, what does that mean? She's confused. And so that's when the angel speaks to her a second time. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, I'm sure that you recognize that Christmas means different things to different people. To the business person, it is their last chance to make sure that they end the year in the black. To the shopper, it is the season that you shop till you drop. That's a, <laughs> that's a terminology, that has, a phrase that has been coined, shop till you drop. To the reveler, it is a time to self-indulge, to just spend on yourself, to just indulge yourself. To the lover, it's a time to benefit from fireside and snow and mistletoe. To most people, it's a time to sing carols, as we just heard this morning, to bring out the decorations and to give and receive gifts. Now, all of these have their place. Nothing is wrong with any of these things, well, except self-indulgence. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I remembered that, because I didn't want you to go away with the license to think that you can self-indulge on alcohol or whatever. I am so glad the Holy Spirit whispered that in me and reminded me about that. So all of these things have their place. But there are three things in the heart of Christmas that we dare not miss today. I really want us to uh, grab a hold of these three things this morning. First, 
Christmas means you now can find favor with God. You now can find favor with God. Do not be afraid, the angel tells Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now go look up the word favor, and I guarantee you you'll find a long list of definitions. But the one that will stand out for you, I think, will be this. Kindness beyond what is due or usual. Kindness beyond what is due or usual. Now, it is one thing to be shown kindness because of your title, your position, or your service. But to be shown kindness when you don't deserve it is remarkable. Now, G.W. Knight says, when you work an eight-hour day and receive a fair day's pay, that's a wage. When you receive a trophy for your performance, that's a prize. When you receive recognition for your service or achievements, that's an award. But when you're not capable of earning a wage, can win no prize and deserve no award, but receive it anyway, that's unmerited favor. Now, if you hear nothing else that I say this morning, hear this. You can find favor with God. You may have experienced God's displeasure in the past, but now you can find favor with God. Perhaps yesterday or last week or last year, you may have felt alienated from God, but today, now, you can find favor with God. How you feel about your own unworthiness or your own worthiness may have come between you and God, but you can now, today, find favor with God. Christmas is all about how people who don't feel good about themselves may find favor with God. Because, you see, Christmas is God showing us favor beyond what is due or usual. Favor that we didn't earn, grace that we didn't deserve. Now, back in the day, the favor of God, I mean back in biblical times, the favor of God was regarded as God turning his face toward you in approval, blessing, and peace. If you turn to Numbers chapter 6, you don't have to turn there now, but if you were to look that up later, Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26, you'd find that God instructed Moses to have Aaron pronounce this, these words over his people, rebellious as they were. Romans chapter 6, 24 to 26. Well, you will see it on the screen behind me anyway. What did I say? Romans. Romans. I meant numbers. It's good to have a wife who keeps you in check, right? She always keeps me in check. Yes, I'm favored. <laughs> I am favored that way, right? Oh, that is, Randy, that is awesome. You deserve a prize for that one. You deserve an award. <laughs> favor. <laughs> Numbers chapter 6, 24 through 26. This is what God had um, Moses teach Aaron to pray over his people. And please note that his people at that time were still very rebellious. They didn't deserve it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
That is favor from God. And so God was showing Mary in our text the same unmerited favor that he showed King David when he took him from the pasture where he was looking after sheep and took him to the throne in a palace where he became Israel's greatest king. You see, it is God's favor that elevates us in the sight of other people. It is God's favor that makes us better than we used to be. It is God's favor that transforms who we were into modern-day vessels that he can use now. Favor. Let us know that Mary was just a girl. Just a girl. Nothing against girls. Not that girls are lesser. But she was just a girl from a poor family in an obscure village. But today, the world knows Mary's name. And they know her circumstances, her incredible story. Because God showed her unusual kindness that she did not deserve. Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Now I guarantee you this morning that only a woman can fully understand and appreciate the full impact of these words. Only a woman can. Most young women dream about what it is like to conceive and give birth to a child. Every young woman back then, in Mary's day, wanted to have the honor of giving birth to the Messiah that had been foretold. Foretold, I'm sorry. But only to Mary, to Mary alone, was uniquely given the privilege by God to conceive and carry the Son of God within her womb, to give birth to him, to give him the name Jesus, because he was going to save all people from their sins. And so how remarkable that God would choose a young woman from a poor family in an obscure village to be highly favored in a way that no one else in history was privileged to. Mary didn't deserve it. She didn't work for it. She didn't earn it. She didn't merit it. But God favored her anyway. So much so that Mary understands that she's not worthy of such an honor. She's confused. How will this be since I'm a virgin? In other words, how is this even possible? For God to favor me this way, since I have no clue of what it means to be with a man, and I have no clue of what it means to be a mother. How can this, how can this happen to me? I want to say to us this morning, it's, it is never about us being worthy. It is always about God being gracious. And so God didn't favor Mary because Mary deserved it. God favored Mary because God has the prerogative to be gracious to whomever he wants to be gracious to. Christmas means that regardless of who you are, what your story is, what you may have done or may not have done, you can now find favor with God. That is what Christmas means. That is our first point this morning. Our second is this. 
Christmas means you now can become a citizen of God's kingdom. The angel goes on to, to tell Mary, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, as you look at the slide behind me, you will recognize that there have been many great kingdoms throughout history. Some of them have lasted for a very long time. I did some research and came up with these. That King Sobusa II of Swaziland, it's no longer called by that name, it's now called Eswatini, he reigned for a total of 82 years. King Louis XIV of France reigned for 72 years. Queen Elizabeth II ruled the British Empire for 70 years. Queen Victoria ruled over the United Kingdom for 63 years. King David ruled over Israel for 40 years, but their reigns all came to an end. All of them did. There is one kingdom, however, that will never end. It is the kingdom of the Son of the Most High. Now, the term high describes distance above the earth, right? But the term most high is a superlative term. It means that you can't compare anything to it. It is the highest form of that particular thing that you can get. Most high is a term that is used only for God. There's no other person, no other king or, or monarch that de desires such a term. It is exclusively used for God, most high. It means that there is no one higher and there's no comparison whatsoever. Hear these words then that speak to God being most high. They were echoed by King David himself. King David, who was the greatest king of Israel, used these words to describe the most high God. Psalm 89, verses 6 to 8. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? There's no comparison. Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, with your faithfulness all around you? There is no comparison to the Most High. So the Most High will give to his son, who will come from the womb of Mary, the throne of his father David. And so as both the son of the Most High God and the son of David, Jesus was 100% divine and 100% human. Go figure. In his person is divinity and humanity. He had all the attributes of God and he had all the characteristics of humanity. And so, because he is 100% divine, Jesus is able, the Son of the Most High, can go into the throne room of God and represent us to God. And because he's 100% human, he can represent us to God as well. He is the perfect mediator between God and humankind. Now, I'm told, and I don't know if it's a true story, 
But I'm told that a man stayed home one Christmas Eve while his family went off to church that night because he just couldn't swallow the idea that the Most High God would become human and come to earth. And so he, he just couldn't go to church that evening as his family did. So he sent them off and he stayed at home. However, soon snow began to fall and so he went to the window to watch the flurries as they were accumulating then went back to his fireside seat and began to read the paper. However, not before long, he began to hear a certain flutter against the window, and so he got up to find out what that was. And when he went to look, he recognized that there was a flock of birds that were huddled together in the snow. It was a storm. They were fluttering against the window pane because of its clear nature. And even this morning, as Lawrence was coming, we had this little joke because he was trying to, you know, walk through the glass or something like that. And it reminded me of that. And so these birds had been trying frantically to get out of the cold into a place of shelter. But having been unsuccessful, they now huddled together uh, to keep warm. And so this man had an idea. Why don't I go out in the snow and try to get them into the barn where it would be warmer for them. And so he goes out and he tries to shoo them into the barn, but they would not. In fact, they were trying to fly away. He tried everything imaginable to get them to get into the warm barn, but they would not. And he soon realized that the birds were afraid of him because he was not like them. And so he thought to himself, what if I could become one of them? They would trust me. They would follow me, and I would be able to lead them into the barn. I believe that Christmas is about God becoming one of us, becoming like us, so that we might trust him and recognize that he came to earth for no reason other than to save us from ourselves and to save us from sin. We'll talk a little bit more about that next Sunday. But let's go back to those kingdoms that I just listed. Many of them uh, that I listed, they have been rocked by scandals. Scandals. King David's adulterous affair with Bathsheba would always define his reign. Queen Elizabeth, her family was not without its scandals. Prince Charles and Princess Diana and Prince Andrew. Princess Margaret. But the reign of the Son of the Most High is without scandal. You can never find a scandal in his reign, except for what theologians call the scandal of particularity. What that means is that God chose a specific person in Abraham to father a specific people, as in the Jews, through whom would come a specific king, David, from whose family God would choose a specific woman, Mary, to give birth to a particular baby, Jesus, who would save the world. They call that the scandal of particularity, meaning that God was particular in what he did. And so by placing our faith in this particular Savior, God gives us the grace to become citizens of his kingdom, making us righteous. 
Let's go back to Mary's word to the angel. It was this, behold, so Mary is now responding to the announcement that the angel has just given her, and she says this, behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Now, I'm sure that you recognize that Mary could have said no to this offer from the angel. She could have said, I'm too young, I, I, I'm too young for this. She could have said, I really can't do this. How will I, not having known a man, become pregnant? How can I, how can I go along with what God is saying to me? I don't, I don't think I can do this. Because this will interfere with all of the plans that I have for myself. Plans to marry Jacob, plans to have a family with him later, plans that would, would be disrupted if I went ahead with your plan. This is way too complicated for me. She could have said all of that. Instead, this is her response. I am your servant. In other words, God, I place myself at your disposal. Let everything that you have said that will happen to me happen just as you said it would. That is submission. That is surrender. She declares herself to be the servant of God, saying, I am at your disposal. My life is yours to do with it whatever you choose to do with it. Have you ever said those words to Jesus? Or do you consider your plans for your life to be more important than his plans for yours? So Mary enlists in God's kingdom, and by doing so, she shows us how we too might enlist in God's kingdom. We come now to our third and final point. Christmas means you now can know God's omnipotence. That is just a word that means that God can do anything. There's nothing impossible for God. The angel says to Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. Now, the only way that you and I can know God is through surrender. We can't know God until we surrender to his power and surrender to his love. The fuller our submission, the deeper our intimacy with God. Now, in the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul gives us an idea of what it means to have an inner yearning to really know God, not in a superficial way, but in a deep and meaningful way. It is really a prayer, and Paul prays this in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. In other words, oh, that I may know God in the same way that he exercised the power that raised Jesus from the dead. I was very blessed and encouraged on Thursday night as Stan Graben, maybe he's listening to me now and I don't necessarily mean to put him on the, on the spot, but this is, this is what Stan Graber expressed as his prayer. Remember Stan is in his 80s and sometimes we think Stan, did I say Stan Graber? Yes, favor, right? You're correcting me again? You're keeping me in check? You're showing me favor? Yes, thank you. I meant Stan Durnell. No disrespect, you're not in your 80s, Stan, you, you're just... You're just 30-something, you're just Stan. Although you've been married for 29 years, you're still in your 30s. <laughs> All right, but Stan, Stan Donnell, this was his prayer. 
sometimes when you think that you're in your 80s, you figure, uh, you know what, I think I've put in my time now. I can just lay back. But Stan says, I really want to know God in a deeper way. Really want to know God. That's Paul's prayer here. Paul is praying for the grace to surrender to the desire to know God more intimately. In other words, as much as you think that you know God now, you're just scratching the surface of who God is. Oh, that I may know him in a deeper way, that I may experience his power in my life, that I may know him to do even impossible things. Somehow we have not been able to get away from that word this week, the word impossible. Some people reminded me that last Sunday that word occurred in our text, that God is able to do the impossible. And so Mary gives herself to God and to his plan for her life, and when she does, she discovers something that gives us an idea of who God is. She discovers that with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing. Because you see, the power of God enables her to conceive a child in a way that has never been done before and never been done since. And not just any child, mark you, but the son of the Most High God. I want to say to you this morning that maybe, just maybe, you have an impossible situation in your life this morning. Maybe I'm talking to people who are dealing with impossible situations. Perhaps you were told that this situation that you're going through is impossible. Maybe you have come to believe it yourself, that it just can't be done, that nobody has ever survived this, nobody has ever escaped this. I want to say to you this morning that God's personal word to you, even as it was to Mary, is that nothing is impossible for him. Which brings me to the bottom line of our message this morning, that Christmas, Christmas is God's favor to you. There were three things I want us to consider as we close. First of all, I want to challenge you this morning to surrender to the love of God. Surrender to the love of God. Give yourself to the love of God as you have never done before. Receive the love of God for you. You're not working for it or earning it. You can't do that, but just receive it. Respond as best you can to the love of God. This is what uh, the Apostle John tells us in chapter 3 and verse 16, verses 16 through 17. Some people call this verse the key verse of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I say to you again this morning, surrender to the love of God. Let God's love for you somehow resonate in your soul and then respond to it by giving yourself to it. Secondly, I want to ask you this morning to surrender to the favor of God. Do you ever realize that God has a smile that is reserved only for you? 
we sometimes don't realize that. We sometimes think of God of this angry old man upstairs, no disrespect to him. It's just how people think of him, as some angry man with a big stick that is ready to hit you the moment you mess up. That's an incorrect picture of who God is. God smiles over those he loves. And if you doubt me, I want to take you to Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17. Because that verse tells us that God actually, and I'm paraphrasing, I wish I'd actually put it on the, on the, on the screen myself, but I'm paraphrasing. That verse tells us that God takes great delight in us. That he rejoices over us, that he sings over us, that he smiles over us. What a picture of God just smiling in delight over me, over you, over us. That's a favor of God. I said to us this morning, please know that you live under the favor of God. Feel God smile upon you. Know that your sins have been forgiven. There is no longer any condemnation whatsoever that God has for you. You've been set free. You have an inheritance that is reserved in heaven for you. You are privileged. You are loved. You are blessed. You are surrounded by the kindness of God. Kindness beyond what is due and usual. Here's our third and final application point. Surrender to the power of God. Remember again that God's word to you is that nothing that you're dealing with in your life is impossible for him. Please know that these are not my words. I didn't make them up. They are God's words to you. And if there's one thing that God will never do is that he will never break or violate the words that he tells you, whether in person or through his word. I believe that when God says something like this to us, that nothing is impossible for him, I believe that that calls from us rugged faith. A rugged faith that says, God, you said it, and I believe it. No matter what the circumstances are saying otherwise, I believe you. I believe what you say about me, that nothing is impossible for you. That this situation that I'm dealing with in my life right now, even though the medical personnel are telling me it is impossible, even, the, the, even though the econ e economists are telling me it's impossible, even though other people are saying it's impossible, I believe what you say, that nothing is impossible for you. And so you say, based on that, let it be to me according to what you say, God. And just perhaps you might find that impossible or difficult to say, just in case you find that difficult to say, then I want to encourage you to pray as somebody else in Scripture did, Lord, help me to believe. I can't believe that right now, but would you please help me to believe? So here's how I want to close this message this morning. I felt impressed to bring this little bottle with oil with me this morning. I don't know what your, your impossible situation is. Maybe, just maybe, you are dealing with an impossible situation in your life. I don't have any power to deal with it, but God does. God says, nothing is impossible for me. So I want to challenge you by asking you the question, who will bring their impossible situation to God and put God to the test? of honoring his word. With your eyes 
closed and your heads bowed. You who are dealing with an impossible situation right now, whatever that is, and you need God to speak these words over you, would you just come forward and allow me to anoint you with oil and to pray over you in the name of the Lord? Any person this morning who wants to bring their impossible situation to the Lord? Amen. 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 Anybody else? Just so you know, this is not Theo that is promising you this because I have no power to do anything about this. This is on the authority of God's word. I'm going to come down and anoint each one of you with oil and then pray over you that God would take care of that impossible situation in your life. God, upon the authority of your word, you know about the impossible situation in their lives. But God, you do not know the word impossible. And so upon the authority of your word, upon the authority of what you have said, I pray that you would let it be to them according to your word. I pray, God, that before this week is over, that you would amaze each one of them by your power to bring down that impossible situation that is threatening them right now. I pray that you would give them peace, oh God, as they go through this, to know that you've got it in control. You have already figured out how you're going to deal with this situation. Let faith arise in their heart and in their souls. And God, bless them with your favor. We have just been talking about the favor of God. How appropriate it would be, Lord, if this week you would turn your face toward them and be gracious to them and make that impossible situation possible. Because we ask this in no other name but in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let it be to each of you according to what God has said. God bless you.